The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. Reiki has been proven to bring you balance and peace, as well as improve your health. It's a healing method that works with other alternative methods, as well as conventional medical practices, to encourage and enhance personal healing on a number of levels. Now, to tell you more about Reiki and better health, here is Paula Vale. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to For the Love of Reiki. Paula V here, and today I have a spectacular young man joining us today. His name is Benjamin Leto, and he is the founder of Body Mind Fitness. And the title of the episode today is Bringing Mindfulness to Fitness. And Benjamin is a NASM certified personal trainer. He is an NASM Corrective Exercise Specialist. He has a BA in Philosophy. He is certified by the National Academy of Sports Medicine and has trained hundreds of people with fitness goals ranging from weight loss to injury recovery. And he, he brings so many different avenues of of health and inspiration and advice to his clients. I'm so excited to share his work. But to begin with, Benjamin, I would like to start out with saying thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. It's an honor. Oh, thank you so much. And I would love to have you just start out today with a little information about yourself, your history, and what what directed you to go this path in your life? Yeah, um, well, it started when I was 13. I wanted to start exercising and working out. And I actually got really into bodybuilding at the time. And I kind of continued that course until I was 19 or 20. And around that time, which is it, it's younger for most people, but around that time for me, I started getting injured left and right, shoulder, hip, knee, back. And I had had personal trainers myself, and I couldn't figure out why I kept getting injured because I knew that I was doing the exercises correctly. I had a good program for myself. I wasn't overtraining and so on. Well, it turns out I have a rare um, genetic condition uh, called cleidocranial dysplasia. I say that three times fast. (laughs) But uh, about one in a million people have it. So there's about 320 million people in America which means there's about 320 million, I'm sorry, about 320 people, period, in America who have the condition, which, due to its rarity, means there's very little advice on how to to help it. And basically it's defined by having various abnormalities in the way your body's formed. So I have half a clavicle, for instance, on both sides, and my shoulders have a lot more mobility than most people. And before I lifted weights, I could actually touch my shoulders together (laughs) in front of me. And uh, leads to scoliosis in the spine and some hip problems from that, usually some 
other problems. So long story short, the injuries I had got worse, and I saw six orthopedic surgeons. I had two surgeries. I saw six physical therapists, and the repeated story was, you're hopeless, you're hopeless, you're hopeless. And uh, at 25 years old at the time, I wasn't going to hear that I couldn't exercise anymore, that I couldn't hike anymore. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't like I was in my 80s. I, I still had a life to live. Yes. So basically the extensive research um, led to what's now body, mind, fitness, and now I've you know, healed my own body and I heal tons of other people as well, many of whom kind of have similar stories to me in that they've seen doctor after doctor and no one's been able to really help them out. Oh. So that's a little bit of a story for you. Yes, yes. Oh, that is fascinating. And what an inspiration you are, Benjamin. I, I, yeah, thank I, you. I can't wait to hear further of, of where you got to where you're at. And also, please tell us, I understand you actually even made a trip to a Buddhist monastery. I did. Um, and oddly enough, that fits in with kind of where I'm at. Uh, in college, I... I um, I was raised in a, in a pretty fundamentalist religion. Uh, 2021, I, I left. That's when I got really into philosophy. And that led to, excuse me, um, actually studying meditation. Got really into that. And upon graduation, I moved right to a Zen Buddhist monastery. And I lived there for a few months. And, um, yeah, I mean, I learned from firsthand experience the effects of mindfulness on the body. Uh, and that's and in fact, if you study meditation, that's one of the first things you're taught is that you need to focus in on your body first and foremost to kind of give you a sense of groundedness that you can uh, look into your thoughts and figure out what's going on inside. And, uh, you know, that definitely plays out for your body because, you know, when you've got heavy weights over your head, the last thing you want is your mind to be off on, you know, what, what kind of project you've got going on for work or what's going on with this or that. You want your mind to be on your body. Um, and in fact, when we learn to calm our minds, we actually learn that our bodies are actually constantly giving us messages as to what our bodies need for, for health. And that applies to both nutrition and exercise. And when you learn to listen to these messages, um, again, by quieting your mind and being a little more mindful of your body, you actually start knowing what you need to do to fix your body. Yes. And so that's how mindfulness kind of plays into, or meditation and mindfulness plays into my approach to fitness. And in fact, I have all my clients meditate um, because it, it has such a huge impact on how they, how they train. Yes. And um, was this monastery in the U.S. or was it abroad? Yeah, it was in the U.S. Um, Buddhism is a bit unique of a religion in, in that it's, uh, it's really a study of one's mind. And being that people from different parts of the world, you know, they have a different culture, a different, um, really in a different environment, which leads to the mind being conditioned very differently and thus different psychological problems to work through. So they say as a Westerner, which you and I are, Paula, being raised in, in America, and this applies to Europeans as well and South Americans, um, that uh, as a Westerner, if you're really serious about a meditative practice, really serious about undergoing some personal growth, it's actually wiser to study uh, in the West than it is to go to the East. Now, there are some teachers out in the East that are, you know, 
pretty well versed in kind of how Westerners think and operate, so they're able to help. But usually, yeah, the advice is as a Westerner to study Buddhism in the West. So that's what I did, and I went to Oregon for that. That really makes sense because Westerners would understand the Western culture. That that really does make sense. I, I right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the Eastern takes on Buddhism had kind of had their own cultural influence on the religion. And all for, um, you know, anthropological reasons, that's interesting. For personal reasons, you know, a uh, different country's culture isn't necessarily immediately helpful in helping me, for instance, work through what I need to work through to find a little more freedom from suffering, which is the goal of Buddhism. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how that uh, that plays into... You know, my approach to meditation, what I've learned, and how I bring it into helping people work through their personal problems, and that includes, obviously, their body, being that I'm primarily a fitness, uh, um, I do a fitness routine, but the reality of exercise and being healthy is that that includes psychological health. So if I, for instance, have a client who's really dealing with a lot emotionally, it's silly to say, okay, well, this is how to exercise, and this is how to eat right, if I know full and well what they're going through is so difficult that the reality of making it to the gym and doing these exercises just isn't realistic. So, you know, it all kind of comes together. So So is this combination what you would call body-mind fitness? Explain exactly what what does that mean. Break that down for us, if you would. Body-mind fitness. Sure. Um... Yeah, the, the, the Buddha actually um, talked about the body-mind as one unit. Uh, for the Buddha, uh, the mind was actually a sixth sense, not in any kind of mystical way, but he viewed it the same as taste or touch or sight. And so uh, the body-mind for him was, was, was really one unit. And so in meditating, as he was feeling into his body, feeling into his mind, kind of started to sense them all together. And again, this is what he called the body-mind. So you'll see, in, you know, various kind of Eastern meditative traditions will talk about this. And, you know, it's kind of my goal that my, that my clients experience their body in kind of a similar way. That when you're exercising, again, especially with a lot of times heavy weights, so you definitely want to be mindful to avoid injury. But you're, you're exercising in such a way that your mind is in whatever it is you're doing. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he didn't do any meditating from my memory, but he actually talks about this, where he had such mindfulness of his body, he could actually command blood to go into and out of his muscles. And uh, if you're somebody who takes fitness really seriously or you're trying to recover from a really bad injury, that's absolutely essential. And that's, in fact, how I got a guy with a stroke walking again, um, was by every day I trained him, um, was teaching him consistent mindfulness into his leg. Uh, and it was months and months of that. He was able to start using his leg in ways that he couldn't for years. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the body mind right there. The mind and body have kind of become one unit. And that's when they're working together instead of against each other, which is how most of us live our lives. We're, we're kind of doing one life, but our mind's off somewhere else. And it ends up yes. causing us a lot of suffering as well as dysfunction in our physical lives. Yes, yes, so I love that, the the body and mind being one unit, and I'm thinking really that would go along with so many things, you know, everything yeah. 
to always keep our have our mind think about our our body to communicate and think about our body and with the decisions we make think about our body that's that Absolutely. makes me think of that and so what would you what would you call um becoming an expert on your own body what what would that be would that be your mind communicating and being one with your body yeah absolutely um that's definitely a part of it yeah because if your mind isn't you know if it's off again off in la la land or or you have personal things you're struggling with every day whatever it is those things are going to distract you from what's actually going on inside your body and so until your mind and body are, have some degree of unity, um, yeah, your mind's actually going to get in the way of, of becoming an expert on your body, which from my perspective means um, really, it, it really means your body not being a mystery to you, that when a pain pops up, um, you can kind of decipher what kind of pain it is, why it's arising, and you have enough of an understanding of your body that you kind of know how to fix it. And the same goes for urges as to what to eat or uh, when to eat. Um, that when these, again, when these impulses arise in your body, you know how to read them, you know what they mean, and you, therefore you know how to act accordingly. It's kind of a sad situation for most of us that we're so out of touch with our bodies that really when anything pops up, we have no idea what to do except take a medicine, run to the doctor, go here, go there. And, you know, I'm not discrediting those things. Those things are good. But I think we should have some kind of foundational knowledge about our bodies such that when things in our bodies arise, again, we know how to interpret them, what they're coming from, oh, I'm sorry, where they're coming from, and, um, and how to respond accordingly. And that, that kind of mentality is really what I would call preventative health care. So that when you're seeing, you know, even getting a personal trainer, this won't do much to <laughs> uh, build my business, but I even tell people it, it's good to have a degree of foundational knowledge for your own body so that you don't even need to hire somebody in the first place to help to help you learn how to be healthy. That's my goal for all my clients is actually to make, make me, uh, in some sense, unnecessary for them because they become such an expert on their bodies. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. I, I know myself, I've always felt that, yes, it's great to go to professionals, but over basically... My body and the decisions I make for it are my responsibility. It's me first is, is how yeah. I've always looked at it. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a almost scary state to be that dependent mm-hmm. on others because the reality is other people have their lives to live and um, things they're doing. You know, and even, yeah, it, it's, just, it's, it's a very unsafe and vulnerable way to live to to really be at the mercy of somebody else to take care of your body. You know, you want to be as empowered as possible, and that empowerment comes from being, you know, self-reliant, and that self-reliance arises from having the knowledge on how to take care of your body in as expansive a way as possible. Um, and that's a, that's a general rule I tell all my clients. You, you just want to learn as much as you can about your body. You know, it's, it's thank goodness we have all the health professionals out there we have, but again, the more self-reliant you can become yourself, the more educated you can become yourself, the more mindful your body you can become and how to read your body's messages, yeah, the more, the more self-reliant you are and thus the more empowered you are. Um, yeah. I think it's definitely a good goal to have, yeah? 
Yeah, and so with that, with um, understanding messages, would you say that's very important to, let's say you have a, a pain or, or you have a feeling physically that we need to be aware of that and listen to our bodies? Mm-hmm. Because really they're communicating with us, would you say? That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a good example is simply if I break my arm, I kind of know not to go flailing it around, right? It hurts really badly. So my body automatically knows, hey, a lot of pain. I'm not going to, I'm going to keep this safe. I'm not going to flail it around. So if you break your arm or you really hurt your arm badly, you're probably going to hold your arm into your body. You know what I mean? Again, yes. your body knows not to just, oh, I broke my arm. Okay, I'm going to go play some basketball with my arm and shoot some hoops, right? It knows this is not, uh, you know, I'm not going to use my arm. Um, and and it, it, the messages I'm talking about are the exact same. The difference is your mind, um, ideally speaking, becomes calmer. And so it uh, is aware of messages that, that are less extreme than, oh, my gosh, I broke my arm. Right? When, our, when our minds are really busy, it's only the really extreme messages we hear, like breaking your arm. When your mind's calmer, it becomes there's less going on, and so it's aware of more. And so it's aware of messages in the body that are less extreme, like, you know, milder pain or, oh, actually, I, I notice that I, say, lose energy this time of the day every day. Or I notice that I've kind of lost energy even compared to last year. Um, things like that that your body becomes, you become more aware of. And it's, it's important to become aware of these things because if you don't, you know, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, that lack of awareness of whatever pain or problem amounts to something. And then, lo and behold, people are in their 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s, and serious problems arise, like even cancers. And um, oftentimes people feel like the body failed them. You know, how can my body do this? How could this happen? But oftentimes, um, this might sound a little insensitive, I don't mean it to be, but oftentimes my response is, look how well your body served you that it put up with that abuse for decade after decade and didn't respond in this way until after decades of taking the abuse. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And I absolutely... Oh, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I just want to say I I love that point you made that with our calmer mind, we are going to be more aware of what's going on and seeing those signs because we can be so focused on everything going on in our lives and we sense or we feel this and we just push it to the side. I, I love that. And Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, uh, the, you know, the reality of our culture is that productivity is kind of the, the primary value. And so yeah. stepping away, calming down, taking care of your body, that's not a value. And that value, you know, the, the lack of that value reflects itself in the way we're we're really expected to live our lives, work these long hours and do this chore, that chore, that chore, and then we have to do all these things to maintain the house we're living in or the car we're driving, and then we got to do this and this and this. Slowing down and actually taking care of your body is not a, really, it's not a cultural value. We say it is, but practically speaking, it isn't. And so, you know, um, it can take real effort to make that happen, but... Uh, it's you know it's worth the effort because um, otherwise you end up like a lot of people do and they're and they're really the, the middle of their lives, not even the end of their lives, and they've already got some serious abnormalities or or um, diseases or illnesses that have arisen. Oh, 
Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you. This is this is just fantastic yeah. information for us. And I'm afraid we have to pop out for a commercial. Before sure. we go, um, I do want to remind all of our listeners out there that you can go to LoveReikiRadio.com and you can find information on Benjamin and many other fantastic experts and and Reiki practitioners and find amazing products. So don't forget LoveReikiRadio.com. And if you want to contact Benjamin after today, you can look at the show description or you can go to the directory. So everyone and Benjamin, we will be right back after this commercial break. Are you ready to experience the wonderful healing benefits of Reiki? Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki, one of the top shows on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel, has put together the Love of Reiki Practitioner Directory. It is a growing list of practitioners and teachers of Reiki and other healing modalities. Go to LoveReikiRadio.com to search for a practitioner or teacher in your area, as well as products and materials from around the world. Again, that's LoveReikiRadio.com. Hi, I'm Kristen Eichel. Join Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki and I, along with millions of other Reiki and energy healers worldwide, as we create the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife. Beginning from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. this Saturday and the third Saturday of every month in your time zone, this healing wave of prayer and positive energy will ripple around the planet, creating a 24-hour wave of Reiki, love, and healing to all the members of the animal kingdom. Animals feed us, they clothe us, they comfort us, and inspire us. We live with them in our homes and in our communities, and we send this healing wave of light to them to express our gratefulness to them for their gifts to all humanity. Please join with us as we create a new movement of Reiki energy with the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Write to Paula to share your thoughts and experiences with Reiki. Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Paula Vale of For the Love of Reiki has an exciting offer for you. However you may know of Paula, you now have the means of exposing your business through Paula's massive following. Starting at a very conservative $29.99 a month, you can advertise your products and services on Paula's directory. Ask about the priority listing and see what additional perks you can take advantage of. Act immediately to be exposed to millions. To apply, go to lovereikiradio.com and look for the practitioner directory sign-up page. Again, that's lovereikiradio.com. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Paula V. here, and if you're just joining us, I am here with Benjamin Lito, and we are discussing bringing mindfulness to fitness, and oh my gosh, so much fantastic information from Benjamin today, and we are going to just jump right back in, and we'll have Benjamin share more information on the benefits of mindfulness, such as 
healing an injury and improving sports performance. So, Benjamin, please uh, join us with with some more of these fascinating facts. I am just <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, you know, a good analogy that pops in my head is take the impulse of hunger or thirst or uh, even being tired. These are all uh, feelings that we learn to recognize as being different from one another. For instance, when I feel hunger, uh, I can recognize it as hunger and not drowsiness or anger or thirst, right? And uh, that's essentially what um, mindfulness essentially is, is learning to recognize these urges at a more intimate level, right? Instead of being distracted and constant thinking, we actually put our concentration into our body, and when something arises in our body, we, we investigate it a little bit. Again, we're not distracted by cir- uh, circulating thoughts, at least ideally. Uh, I know I certainly am in a practical sense all the time. <laughs> but the, the point of meditation is to um, learn to have our attention on these types of messages or rather urges in our body to learn what it is they're actually trying to communicate. Um, and that's why I do call them messages, is they are a... There are an attempt at communication in some sense where, so let's say um, a certain pain arises in my, in my shoulder, right? Uh, I can take time to kind of feel into it and figure out exactly uh, essentially what's causing the pain, what movements, and uh, what part of the movement. And you do that by really slowing down. So a lot of times when I first start training clients, um, I have them doing exercises hyper, hyper slowly because I want to get an idea of where exactly in the movement the problem's arising. So again, this hyper focus uh, gives us a really specific answer. It's essentially as though we're doing a really specific, we're asking a really specific question. And when you ask a really specific question, you get a very specific answer. And we're trying to figure out what's wrong. We need that specific answer. And uh, while, while there are generals that apply to everybody, it's always important to kind of really focus on the individual. Uh, the um, psychologist Carl Jung really, really emphasized that, that each client is, is different. And, uh, again, there are generalities that always apply, but uh, something I really emphasize is each person is different, and each person is at a different level and needs different things. And so, um, yeah, and so mindfulness, you know, looking into your own body, you learn to get to know the specifics of your own body. And especially as I talked in the previous segment, for instance, regarding myself, about cleidocranial dysplasia, um, you know, a very rare uh, genetic disorder that about one in a million people have, there are really unique specifics to my body that I've had to really learn how to deal with without, you know, having half a clavicle on each side means my shoulders have so much more mobility. So I've had to learn to engage various muscles in the area much more than other people. Because if I do anything wrong whatsoever, I get injured like that because I don't have the skeletal structure they do. And so I've had to do a heck of a lot of feeling into my body and learning things about the the shoulder complex area that, you know, while in an anatomical sense, various people might have more knowledge than me, in a practical sense, uh, feeling into the shoulder, learning exactly what's causing the pain, I've had to learn a degree of... uh, control of the area that most people don't have to have to develop. And that's, that's kind of what's made me, I've kind of changed the subject a little bit, but that's kind of what's made me a good trainer is the condition I've had has forced me to be extra mindful of my body and therefore to learn all of these 
new things that I was never taught from the orthopedics I saw and the um, orthopedic surgeons I saw and the physical therapists I saw and the personal trainers I saw. So and that, that's what mindfulness does, and that's going back to what you talked about being an expert on your body. That's exactly what, that's exactly how you become that. And you should, of course, apply it with book smarts. You should read books. You should read academic journals and stuff like that. Well, you don't have to. That's what I do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my point is, is that uh, mindfulness combined with these other um, sources of knowledge is what really helps you really get to know your body and, and learn to read its messages as to how, what it needs for its health. Now, Benjamin, let's say I am someone very motiva- motivated to have mm-hmm. a healthy body. I work out, I train, but I have yep. never meditated. I've never gone in that direction. What would you say to someone that wants to begin to pull meditation into their lives? Would it be sit for 15 minutes every morning and meditate or take a few minutes during the day? Or I mean, what advice would you give someone you're training on how to begin to integrate that in their lives? Right. Good question, Paula. Um, yeah. Meditation, in its essence, is essentially mind training. And like any other skill, you have to start slowly. Uh, one of the things that intimidates people about meditation is they think, oh, I just I can't sit still, I can't do this, I can't do this. And you know what? In some ways, it's probably true. Even I have a hard time sitting still after having meditated for years. So um, my advice is to start small, literally five minutes a day. Um, after a week of that, maybe up it to six or seven, week of that, up it to 10, up it to 20. Um, the same advice I would give to working out. I mean, training your mind and training your body, they, they really do work in the exact same way. Uh, the same principles apply. Um, so... Um, yeah, the, the beginner needs to needs to start with something like that. I usually have my clients use an app called uh, Insight Timer, which um, is really great. It's free, and it has some guided meditations, uh, which are however long you want, ranging from literally one minute to 45 minutes. And that's what I usually have people do just every day. And then, um, you know, after the meditation to kind of take into your into your life, the kind of mindfulness you're getting, that when you're sitting, you're aware of how you're sitting. When you're walking, you're aware of how you're walking. Um, And then you start to notice certain movement, you know, related to the fitness aspect of it. You start to notice various movement patterns that you have developed by constantly sitting or constantly walking or constantly doing this that actually you might realize play into some of the pain you might be feeling or uh, play into the bad posture you have. So... um, because your, your body really is the effect of, 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 of habit. And uh, whatever posture you have, injury you have, that's the effect of thousands and thousands of times of misuse of the body. So it's not enough to be mindful just for five minutes or just mindful at the gym. We want to be aware of what we're doing all day, every day, because that's where we really see these patterns that are deeply ingrained into our lives that are causing our bodies problems. And that applies equally uh, psychologically. So we essentially want to become almost like scientists of our own selves, our own bodies and our own minds, constantly watching, investigating, experimenting, learning, that kind of thing. I love that. I love that, Benjamin. Yeah. And then how would you recommend someone with mindfulness 
uh, increasing or benefiting their sports performance, let's say you're a competitive athlete, how would you recommend recommend they bring mindfulness into their competition and what they do as they progress with that? Sure. Uh, well, the first thing I would do is every athlete's going to have something to improve on. So these weaknesses, however big or small, are going to, by definition, hinder their progress, hinder their performance. So we want to get right into those, figure out what those weaknesses are, and learn how to uh, either work them out of the body, period, or compensate for them in as skillfully a way as, as we can. And that, again, will be done through mindfulness. We want to be exactly clear about what the weakness is, what's causing the weakness, and then um, once, you've, once you figure that out, you know what to eliminate or what to uh, do more of and so on. So that, that's, that's one thing I would do. The second thing I would say is also, we also want to be mindful of what's, what's going right. Uh, so figure out what's, what's helping me perform better, what makes me especially strong, what makes me especially fast, and we want to, we want to do more of that. So essentially we're, we're amplifying what works, and we're, uh, I can't think of the antonym of that, we're doing less of what doesn't work. And that uh, we get clearer and clearer on that, again, by constantly analyzing the body, uh, or rather observing the body, and uh, observing our progress, being mindful of it, so that we can, again, do more of what works and less of what's not. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, I love it. And so yeah. would, you, would you say that becoming mindful of yourself and your body improves really your overall health? Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and in fact, Paul, you know, you, you were telling me yesterday, and I talked to other people that, when your body is actually, when you're mindful of your body, when you have some kind of natural peace in your life, the anxiety or fear or stress or anger, whatever emotion we walk around with all the time, you're not walking around with it anymore. And so your body uses a lot less energy. And so it, um, you know, for instance, you, you don't need as much food. You don't need as much sleep. Um, your body is just in better health because it's, it's, it's not being torn down as much. It's, it's a lot of effort for your body to maintain a state of panic all the time, <laughs> which is really what well, a lot of us are in with our, with our kind of busy body lives. That's a lot of effort for the body. You know, panic is meant to be a very short impulse that gets you out of a state of danger. It's not meant to be a um, elongated state, and that's really what it is for most of us, given the nature of our lives. And so it's just, that's so taxing on the body. So when you're more mindful and you can kind of start letting this stuff go, yeah, your health definitely improves. Yes, it really is fascinating as you become more mindful of your body and your vibration, your energy, how, you know, it it does affect, you know, what your body sends out to you. You're not wanting to eat all the time. Your body doesn't need it and it doesn't want it. It just is so fascinating. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and you actually learn, you know, when you mentioned eating all the time, through mindfulness you might actually realize that this impulse to eat a lot is actually, uh, it's, it, it's not, what I, I guess, what I would call an authentic impulse. It's, it's one of the mind's ways of attempting to run from certain emotions. We all know emotional eating. Uh, it also can be stimulation. Um, if I'm, you know, eating all this really, really tasty food and having a lot of it, then I don't have to think about 
whatever's bothering me. Right. And uh, it's also as um, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, um, Batmangeli. I can't remember his, the, the exact pronunciation of his last name, but he is a uh, Middle Eastern doctor who, um, through a lot of research, realized that a lot of our problems actually come about because we're um, dehydrated. And he actually argues that a lot of our impulse to eat a lot is actually the body's desire for water. But we become so estranged from our own body's messages as to what it needs, we don't even recognize even basic impulses like that anymore. So the body gets whatever water it can and whatever source it's used to getting it. And there's, of course, some water in food, so the body just says, okay, we'll just give me some more food then. And, uh, yeah, so that's how being not being mindful can lead to misreading of messages in your body and thus the creation of, of health problems. Actually, Benjamin, I have read that as well. That many mm-hmm. times we seek food when really our body's dehydrated. Yes. Right. Isn't that fascinating? It is. It's just fascinating. Well, we are going to get ready to go out to a, another commercial. But before we go, a couple things. I, I love these testimonials that your clients have have written for you and I do want to read a few of those before we go so yes I just would love to do that I will begin with um, something here from Fred and he says I have been working with various personal trainers over the last 20 years and though all of them were very good and focused on my workout regimen Working with Benjamin has been an entirely different experience, one that has changed my life. From the first session, I was amazed. Within 24 hours, my back pain decreased by almost 80%. If you are looking for someone who has your entire body's health in mind, regardless of your level of fitness, Benjamin is a trainer well-seasoned in mindfulness and healing. That is just beautiful. And then I have here Dale Dale writing, and he says, By following Benjamin's direction, I lost 30 pounds, and to be honest, I haven't looked this good since I was in my 30s. While I have had other trainers over the years, Benjamin is by far the most knowledgeable, personable, and caring trainer with whom I have associated Benjamin's knowledge of anatomy, strength training, and nutrition made it possible for him to design a fitness and nutrition plan that was personalized to my needs and led to amazing results. Equally important, however, was Benjamin's focus on applying the principle of mindfulness to exercise and nutrition as doing so helped me overcome existing injuries, prevent further injury, and lose weight faster. I highly recommend Benjamin to anyone considering a personal trainer or fitness coach. I just, I just love these Benjamin. Beautiful testimonies. Yeah, I, I didn't even have to pay him to so say that. So many people. <laughs> yes, I'm just, I love it. So, and tell us uh, quickly before we go to commercial, with your clients, can can people contact you and do, do things via the phone or Skype? Can you work with people across the country? Yeah, I can actually work with people across the world. Um, obviously, I do training uh, in person with, with people in my area, but um, I'm from Washington, D.C., for instance, and I, I've since moved, and I still do Skype sessions with my clients there. 
so I can do I can do Skype sessions with people all over the country, all over the world. Um, I you know I charge less for a Skype session since it's not an, I'm not in person there to actually touch your body and help you adjust certain things. But uh, yeah, I mean uh, a lot of the information I give to people is just simply I just need to be able to see your body, give you certain information that you need, and the a lot of times the results kind of speak for themselves. So. Oh, thank you, Ben. (laughs) Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So with that, everyone, we will pop out a moment and we will be right back. Thank you, Benjamin. Are you ready to experience the wonderful healing benefits of Reiki? Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki, one of the top shows on Voice America's health and wellness channel, has put together the Love of Reiki Practitioner Directory. It is a growing list of practitioners and teachers of Reiki and other healing modalities. Go to lovereikiradio.com to search for a practitioner or teacher in your area, as well as products and materials from around the world. Again, that's lovereikiradio.com. Hi, I'm Kristen Eichel. Join Paula Vale, host of For the Love of Reiki and I, along with millions of other Reiki and energy healers worldwide, as we create the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife. Beginning from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. this Saturday and the third Saturday of every month in your time zone, this healing wave of prayer and positive energy will ripple around the planet, creating a 24-hour wave of Reiki, love, and healing to all the members of the animal kingdom. Animals feed us. They clothe us. They comfort us and inspire us. We live with them in our homes and in our communities, and we send this healing wave of light to them to express our gratefulness to them for their gifts to all humanity. Please join with us as we create a new movement of Reiki energy with the World Reiki Circle for Wildlife this Saturday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Write to Paula to share your thoughts and experiences with Reiki. Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Paula Vale of For the Love of Reiki has an exciting offer for you. However you may know of Paula, you now have the means of exposing your business through Paula's massive following. Starting at a very conservative $29.99 a month, you can advertise your products and services on Paula's directory. Ask about the priority listing and see what additional perks you can take advantage of. Act immediately to be exposed to millions. To apply, go to lovereikiradio.com and look for the practitioner directory sign-up page. Again, that's lovereikiradio.com. You're listening to For the Love of Reiki with Paula Vale. We would love to hear about your Reiki stories as well as your questions about Reiki. Paula will answer questions and share stories on the show. Please send an email to Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Again, that's Paula at wellnessinspired.com. Now, back to For the Love of Reiki. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And I have Benjamin here, and we are talking about Body, Mind, Fitness, and I do want to throw out there quickly to my listeners, I have been receiving several emails from out-of-state and out-of-country listeners who are asking about coming to Washington to uh, learn Reiki, take some of my Reiki classes. So I have created 
this year, June 17th through the 20th, I will be teaching Levels 1 through Master in Reiki. So you could come and take the Level 1 and 2 class, or you can come and take 3 and Master, or however you want to do it. So anyone interested can contact me at Paula at Wellness Inspired. And again, thank you everyone for emailing me. I, I just... Love everyone's input. So, but Benjamin, let's jump right back in. And sure. I, I have, I'd like to ask a little bit about the nutrition end of it. And I've always, you know, been curious. I've, I've heard over the years different people tell me that, well, when you're training, you have to eat a lot more or eat a, certain things. Do you, when you work with people, do you really focus on the, the types of food they eat and how much do you help them with that? Absolutely, yeah. That that's a huge part. If, if a trainer is not helping you with nutrition, it's basically like it's giving you I don't know whatever car you want, but there's no gas stations to be found, <laughs> <laughs> or or the other way around. However you want to look at the analogy, but yeah, training without nutrition is kind of a waste. Um, yeah. Um, Nutrition is kind of a hard thing for people because there's a lot more agreement in the world of, of just working out as to what you should do. And, you know, usually if, um, if say, you know, say I want to get a lot of muscle or I want to recover from this injury, do that. Usually it doesn't really matter who you go to. Most people are going to say a lot of the similar, a lot of similar things. Um, I do say a lot of different things, which has come about for, reasons I've explained, being a little more mindful of the body, realizing because of my specific conditions, the regular advice repeatedly didn't work, and I found it didn't work for others either, and they were having injuries like me. But um, when it comes to nutrition, I mean, people are just all over the map. You have people saying any and all animal products are absolutely horrible for you. You have people saying just the opposite. You have people saying grains are really healthy for you. You have people saying grains are, you know, uh, almost a poison. So you get a lot of different information about nutrition. Yes. Yes. And um, a lot of them have some decent studies to back them up. Um, a lot of them don't. So point is, it can be really overwhelming for people. Um, my advice about nutrition and about training and really everything else in life is you have to first and foremost start with your direct experience of, of because we're talking about nutrition, about your food. And that comes with being mindful, of being being not not just kind of shoving food in your mouth, but after you've eaten something, <clears throat> being aware of how you feel afterward. You know, once I started eating right, it never occurred to me that I should actually feel energetic after I've eaten, not tired and sluggish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's but we're we're so accustomed to feeling that way that we think that's normal, but in actuality, it's not. Um, and that's that's what I do with my clients. Is I teach them to learn to listen to the messages in their bodies. They can learn to. Say, oh, hey, you know, this, this, this food is really, my body's liking it, this food is not, this food, my body's not liking. But generally speaking, um, I have a bit of an unusual take on nutrition, but there's plenty of people that I guess would, would agree with me. Uh, one of the biggest things, besides having, trying, need to have enough water, uh, which we talked about in our last segment, the biggest macronutrient your body needs is actually fat, which is really, sounds really bizarre for us Americans to hear. We always want zero fat, no fat. The problem is, is that in the American diet, there's very little healthy fat. So we assume that there's mostly unhealthy fat. So we associate fat with the unhealthy kind. And because the unhealthy kind obviously is unhealthy and thus makes us gain weight and uh, develop diseases, we therefore think fat's bad for you. 
But in actuality, uh, healthy fat is really good for you. And there's a reason your body craves the unhealthy fats. It's because your body knows, hey, I need fat. The problem is your body can't tell a difference between healthy fat and unhealthy fat. Um, and so it gets fat wherever it can get it. It knows there's unhealthy fat in all sorts of desserts and chips and things like that. So that's what it craves. But if actually you're giving your body healthy fats, you'll notice that a lot of your cravings start to go down. And so that kind of comes, I'm kind of giving a mouthful here, but that's, this, this is kind of the biggest important point that I really hope people listen to about this when they're, listening, when they're thinking about diet is diet is oftentimes, or in fact most of the time, presented as a thing of willpower. That you have all these urges that you just constantly got to fight. And my approach to dieting is the opposite. These urges, these urges are there for a reason. When you respond skillfully to them, um, you start eating right. So it's not, it's not a battle of willpower. It's simply a battle of understanding your body and learning to read the messages it's giving you. Does that make sense? Yes, I love that, Benjamin. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And Yeah, I mean, you, there, 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 there's no animal on the, on, the, on, the, on the planet that is, you know, craving something that's not good for its body. I mean, you don't see lions going around, oh, I really wish I could... I could eat those flowers or eat those bananas. <laughs> no, yes. lions crave meat. They crave the food that's good for them. And yes. humans are the same way. The problem is we have so many you know, unnatural foods out there and so much unhealthy stuff that our body kind of gets overwhelmed and can't tell the difference. But when, again, when you start giving it the stuff it actually wants, you're not going to crave the bad stuff anymore because your body, for instance, has the healthy fat it needs. So why yes. is it going to need cake? Why is it going to need cookies? Why is it going to need so many Doritos? That's oh, um, um, so true, so true. That's yeah. so amazing. And actually, Benjamin, would you say, do you work personally with your clients um, on a personal level where you help them with their regimen, with their nutrition, and, and you, you do all that for your clients, don't you? I do, yeah. I do, I do um, everything a personal trainer does and more. So I do the, you know, giving that, I actually go with them for sessions. Uh, if they're in my area, we meet together, we do work, we work out together. I show them, you know, how to exercise, what exercises to do, constantly evaluating their alignment, constantly evaluating uh, the movement patterns, and making sure everything's going well, and we adjust the program accordingly. We constantly talk about diet and things like that. We, if we need to adjust the diet, you know, according to what they're doing, we do. Uh, a lot of times it's a big experiment, you know, I... I have a lot of information. I know what to do with people. But the reality, as I talked about earlier, is that, is that everyone's an individual. And so the more I spend time with somebody, the more specifics I understand about them. And thus, I, I constantly adjust the training program and the diet to be more specific to them. And, uh, yeah, and then we talk about, a lot of times, actually about uh, meditation and mindfulness and, and uh, things like that that impact their, their training because of, things are going on in your life that are keeping you out of the gym and keeping you unhealthy, those things need to be addressed or they're going to remain there. And thus, my help as a personal trainer isn't going to be much help at all. Yes, yes. And with, with uh, just a few minutes left to go, Benjamin, what advice would you give to beginners out there that really want to make a step to be healthier and have mindfulness and to bring that body-mind fitness together? Well, um, yeah, the biggest step I would always say is take things slow. Um, do your research. Um, 
don't believe what everyone tells you because a lot of people are wrong. <laughs> a lot of people are right. A lot of people are wrong. Um, there are going to be people who are in great shape who um, think they might have all the answers, but uh, the reality is they're genetically, they might be genetically prone to that, or they, they might really have the answers. My point is sometimes people may, may seem as though they have the answers and they don't. So there's so much information out there. Everyone acts like they have all the answers. You want to, you want to have a lot of skepticism. That's a real big thing I tell people. And I, I say that because I went into training without that skepticism. I thought that if someone was, looked like this or could lift those weights or perform at this level, they must know what they're talking about. And several injuries later, <laughs> yes. they didn't. <laughs> and the yes. you know, last thing I want is for that to happen to anybody else. So be skeptical. Do, you know, do the research. There are... Um, a lot of places that are that are really good to um, to do some studying, not to you know promote myself shamelessly, but I, I'm a pretty good source. <laughs> uh, but meditation alone, as you spend more time getting to know your body, is a great guide for what your body needs, um, both nutritionally and and, and for exercise. Uh, obviously, doctors, you always want to consult a doctor before training. You you, you don't want to have um, some kind of skeletal problem or heart problem before you start running hard and then cause yourself all these problems. You want to get your blood taken beforehand, make sure there's no, nothing in nothing in your blood or nothing in your body you need to be aware of. And um, it's kind of a mouthful. Well, those are some basic pointers I have for beginners. It's, it's good, you know, like everything else that's new, it's going to be overwhelming at first. It's going to be overwhelming, and that's okay. But you take things one step at a time, and... Um, you know, eventually you get to your goal. You just have to be mindful and adjust to whatever's working. You know, you... Um, I love that, one step at a time. And yeah, yeah. And, you know, really, if we have this goal and it, we can't reach it right away, you can be frustrated as well, you know. But yeah, yeah, and most people have the right to be frustrated because they're doing all this work, but they're not seeing the results. And that's where that's you have to, you want to make sure the work you're doing is actually productive work. You can do hard work, but if it's not what actually reaches your goal, helps you reach your goal, and the hard work is kind of wasted. Um, so that's why it's important to get good expert advice as to what your body actually needs for its health. Yes, and my gosh, to, you know, to have our mind and body as one unit instead of separate, that that is just so huge, Benjamin. I I'm so happy that, that you have shared that that inspiration. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, pretty essential, not just for your health, but for your happiness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the reality is we're, we're human beings. We have bodies, and that, that body needs to be integrated into your life, and the mind needs to be integrated into the body. So yes. kind of realities we've got to live with, you know? Yes, exactly, exactly. I am just so happy to have had you on the show today, Benjamin. You're just, you are an inspiration and your well, history. Thank you, Paul, you too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What, what you yeah. have done and what you do for others, I just, I want to say a big thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, too, for having me on the show. Like I said in the beginning, it's an absolute honor. Oh, I'm just honored, and, and I hope we do another show down the road. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved it. And I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners out there. 
Thank you for joining me every week. I just I just send love, hugs, and blessings to everyone. And as I mentioned earlier, your emails just just light my heart. So thank you. And everyone, we will see you next week. And Benjamin, thank you. And big hugs and, and goodbye. Thank you again for tuning into For the Love of Reiki. Please join your host, Paula Vale, again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel to learn more about your better health. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.